0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of If We Can Just Say, this is our 70th episode. Thank you all for being here with us. Woohoo! I hope you're enjoying it. It's a real doozy, huh? <laughs> As always with me is the dooziest of the doozies, my husband, wow. Stephen Ogle.
1: Wow, and here I thought you were the dooziest doozer that's ever doozed. Wow.
0: See what I'm dealing with, folks? <laughs> yep. Happy 70th episodes happy, man.
1: happy 70 man it's it's uh it's really cool that we're on episode 70. I it's this is uh um what one, one of our friends was talking to me the other day and it, it, he said you know he hasn't caught up and he's got a, you know and he was like is are any of the episodes behind like a paywall or anything and I was like no.
0: <laughs> I wish. Doesn't that mean we get money?
1: Yeah, I was like, I was like, it'd be really cool. I was like, but we're not there yet. Ma- maybe eventually we'll be able to, you know, put a bunch of our archive episodes in the, behind a paywall, but not right now. But I was like, yeah, they're all available. Go listen to it. Maybe I
0: don't know. Maybe we need some sort of niche topic. Yeah, I guess that I we know. talk about or something. I don't know.
1: But I was like, we're coming up on episode seventy, so yeah. uh, feel free to binge and uh, give me your comments.
0: This is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode for us. We. um if you guys recall, we had an episode with Phil, who we interviewed for Mental Health Awareness Month, yep. and we've had some questions about him, people just you know, wondering a little bit more about him, so we're going to end this episode with an interview we did yeah. with him, um, just to get some more information. But first, we are recording on Sunday, and who's upstairs? My mother is here. Yes. <sighs> yes. Yep. Woo-hoo. Rebecca is in town. Her birthday is tomorrow, yep. and she mentioned that she wanted to come in for her birthday.
1: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, been here. Um, it's great. I I uh, I threw a, uh, I went home and threw my mom's 50th birthday a number of years ago.
0: We won't say how many. That's yep. her business.
1: Yeah, and uh, that's the last time that I threw a birthday party for her. Um, and then I saw her a couple years ago when she came up, actually in 2019, the year that we met. Yeah. Um, and that's the last time, th- the only two times I've had... You know, been with her during her birthday and probably the last 20 years.
0: <laughs> yeah. So when she said she wanted to come for her birthday, we all know I love to host. So I was like, we were throwing her birthday party. I got all kinds of decorations. and. Oh, yeah. My parents and my brother came over and Stephen's friend, Ricky, who you've heard us talk about, who Rebecca knows very well and always wants to see when she's here and we can never make it work. So, yeah, he drove out from Imlay City, which is a long yeah. A long way, so thank you for coming, Ricky. And yeah, we had a really good time yesterday. I think it went, I think uh, it went really well.
1: It was great, as as expected. Your father and Ricky, uh, I mean, the banter between yeah. the two talkers, yeah. But
0: couple, you get a couple talker a couple like talkers for their job, not just like how you're a talker, but people who <laughs> use talking as part of their how to earn their revenue stream. Yeah in that kind of way being a salesman being a mover being you know that kind of thing yeah yeah anything's possible
1: yeah so a lot of a lot of good banter uh, there was a couple of times where you I went to say something and your mom said it instead and Ricky was like, Whoa, was yes. like, yeah, that's my spirit animal. <laughs> yes.
0: That yeah. was a bit of a
1: doozy. Oh my gosh. I uh, love your mom so much. She's, yeah. a, she's great. I love your dad too, but man, your mom and I, so your mom and I are on the same wave wavelength so many times. It's insane. It's crazy.
0: I'm like that as well with my mom. My mom and I went shopping on Wednesday before Rebecca got in, um, she had got. She's like, I didn't know what to get you for your birthday, so I got you a TJ Maxx gift card. Because then I figured we can go to TJ Maxx. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I had it for about two days before her and I were like, um, let's go to TJ Maxx. And we went to TJ Maxx after work, um, on Wednesday and just tore it up.
1: Yeah, if <laughs> it, if you remember the phrase when you were a kid, burning a hole in your pocket.
0: Yes. Whew. I was a Maxinista, and I always have to get stuff for Soph because. Wait a you know, second, you were what? A Maxinista, TJ Maxx, Maxinista. You never heard that?
1: Never heard of that.
0: My gosh! Well, you are married to a Maxinista,
1: Oof, and
0: your spirit animal is one as well.
1: I didn't know what I was signing up for. Yeah,
0: Oof. so I have you know, if you are a pet parent, I, we have a super chewer, as they would call her. Yes. Sophie is a super chewer, so like every toy that she gets, like I'll go to Target and I'll see like a cute toy and it's fifteen ninety nine. And I'm like, absolutely not. It's going to be gone in a second. I don't care how indestructible you say it is. It's oh, going to yes, be gone. So it. I go to TJ Maxx and they've got some toys on clearance or anything that's under like six ninety nine and under. I'll get her. And I'll get her a lot of treats there too because they do have a lot of like overstock stuff, um, you know, that you would see in a different store. Yep. And I like to get Made in America treats. So I get, you know, I can get a lot of stuff like that too. So I got to stock up on that. And then I got to stock up on K-Cups. And then I got to get whatever I want to get myself from my birthday. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And then um, I know we're going to go shopping with your mom tomorrow.
1: Yeah. That's the plan. Yeah. Um, or at least I am. Yeah. Uh, yeah She's a listen. shopper. We're all yeah. shoppers. Yeah. My mom,
0: me, Rebecca,
1: like. I'm an online shopper. I don't like. I'm really an online s- shopper too. I don't really like interacting with people. Um I know I know that might be shocking for some of you that know me. Oh yeah. Um
0: I'm floored over here. My jaw is just what?
1: Um the other problem is is that I'll go into a store and I'll pick up a bunch of things and then I'll talk myself out of them
0: and set them back down and leave with nothing. So I don't like doing that either. Well, you took your mom and I so she got in Thursday yeah. and we were going to go to this antique mall place shopping and we went after work and literally as we're pulling into the lot she says is it open stores like this usually are closed at the end of the day (laughs) by me and i'm like i never even thought of that and as we pull up it is closed so we're gonna have to either go back today or tomorrow but i had to stop at target on the way home and you're like i'm not going in so like rebecca's like oh is he just gonna sit in the car i'm like yeah he's fine you can browse whatever you want in here (laughs) like if there's something you want to look at he'll sit in the car it's better than him coming in with me. When you come in with me, you just go to the electronic section and stay in there for however long it takes me to go in the store.
1: Yeah, and I did that, what, three days ago? So I had, to, yeah. th- there's nothing going to be new at this other Target Yeah, in well, the electronic section. You never section. know, and no. that's the thing. No, not in the electronic section. It wasn't going to be any different. And I was like, nah, I'll pass. I'll stay out here. I haven't
0: browsed the clothes in Target in a while, though. It's always disappointing lately
1: yeah i just I stayed outside and uh I found I found some stuff for one of our other segments later involving the rider strike but we'll talk about that oh later. while you were in the car <laughs> yeah
0: but yeah it's been fun having your mom um i I can't I, believe it's already Sunday
1: yeah I but love I love having my mom we worked She's on great. Friday
0: but we um we just kind of hung out as well and Sat in the backyard a bit and got the yard ready because we did the barbecue for the birthday yesterday. So, and I'm so neurotic. Like, I was having the barbecue start at two. I don't like not being ready. Like, if I have the barbecue at two, when you get here at two, we are raring to go. Like, so we were probably ready for everything by like noon. And we're sitting there, and Stephen's like, I could (laughs) have slept in this morning. Like, what? And I'm like, I don't like to rush. I like to be able to.
1: She is horrible with time and understanding time so let me explain to you folks when we were actually ready we were actually ready at about ten fifty for anyone else to arrive let's just spit my coffee out Ten fifty. We we're ready and raring to go as she said um and i was thinking to myself i could have slept for another
0: hour i just it's the mildred in me mildred is my grandmother Ooh. the mother of karen Who is my mother. So that's twofold in in me. I don't know what to do, but I'll tell you, was everything not ready and looking fabs?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was great.
0: There was no energy behind that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was great. (laughs) That was great. I was just thinking that also uh, shout out to your mom and my mom. They both cleaned the kitchen once again. Yeah, that, like that's your mom too. I thought yeah. she was. I, yeah, our moms were both in the. I in didn't the kitchen. see your
0: mom because she was actually like enjoying her party. Yeah. But my mom washed. I was, I'm always like mom. Oh,
1: you know what? No, there was a time where it was just her and I, Ricky, and, yeah. and uh, my
0: mom was in the. And it's like, where's Karen? Oh, yeah. washing dishes. Yeah. She looks like a, just a continuous prune.
1: And then your your dad disappeared for like what like two hours or Not something. Not even that long. It was like an hour or something. He was passed out on the couch.
0: I'm glad. I, that's what <laughs> I love about hosting. I love people being comfortable in my house. I love having yeah. enough food and drink and stuff for everybody. You need to close your eyes and lay on the couch, lay on the couch. I don't care. I love it. I love having everyone over, and yeah. I love the way our house is laid out for like hosting, and the, I love it.
1: The previous year, when we did your 40th birthday party, um, on that Friday was my the the we did your party on a yeah. saturday on the friday we did my birthday because that was my actual birthday and uh you have a picture of me and johnny passed out on the couch yeah, my uncle johnny um and then this They're year we're both like
0: sitting at opposite ends of the couch just like heads down
1: yeah we're like i look i look like i'm dead i look like yeah. my neck is broke it's crazy but then you got a picture yesterday of eric and jack both passed out in Adirondack chairs in in the yeah in the uh, backyard, and I thought I was like, man, that's great. Two years it's a in sign a row of a
0: good party. People are just relaxing and <laughs> enjoying themselves, and I love it. I bought a bunch of decorations off Amazon. Like, there's so much you can get now for not not that much money to make it look so good. It's funny
1: the statement that you just said is that the sign of a good party when we were in our 20s if somebody was sleeping at the party that's not a sign of a good no, party they got
0: like a penis <laughs> drawn on their forehead
1: <laughs> now that we're in our 40s yeah somebody was napping you at our party
0: comfortable enough to take a nap at my party <laughs> i've hit it people i have hit the big time <laughs>
1: What a weird transition yeah. in life, man. What a, wow. Talk about Crazy. getting
0: older. So I had one of the Progressive commercial experiences on Sophia's stroll this morning with <laughs> my husband Blue. If you guys all remember, the one Progressive commercial, the guy has the blue hair yeah. and the guy's telling him don't say anything, don't say anything and the guy's just like, "Blue, blue." So that's my like Blue <laughs> alert that goes off with Steven. We have a neighbor who has like a couple patches of grass that like grow up extra high. I don't know why maybe seed gathered from a tree or something blown around the neighborhood because there's a few houses that are like that. And Stephen's theory is the people that cut the lawn sprinkle fast acting seeds in certain spots on the people's lawn so that they have to keep coming back to cut the lawn. That is, And I feel blue, blue,
1: blue. It makes the most sense to me. Uh, that if you're cutting somebody's lawn and you notice they have patches that where they don't have grass that you volunteer to plant some seed there, you plant some seed there, but you've plant some fast acting stuff so that you're guaranteed to come back for work. It's not a scam. It's just like a legit thing. Like, I, why I've had you? this
0: conversation so many pa- times and he he's adamant and I'm like, I can't even look at you.
1: You're not going to plant grass that would take seven years to grow. Why would you do that? Why, why would you, would you, even why would you
0: pan- have grass seed that's got mm-hmm. a seven year? Why
1: would you plant grass that's going to be very slow to grow? You want that fast acting. Boom. I'm going to need to cut it next week. It's Those be people up.
0: haven't cut our neighbor's lawn in months. I don't, they haven't cut It all year, so they sprinkled it last year.
1: Last year, yeah. It's not like that stuff's just gonna die, it stuff comes back. All the grass I planted two years ago comes up in the front yard. We don't have patches in the front yard anymore because all the grass I planted. Let
0: me know your take. Like, leave a comment and let me know are you team blue or team sanity? (laughs) Which one? Which one? Oh man, because you a lunatic, boy. That's funny. Boy, oh boy. Like, boy, oh boy. If if you had
1: had more of the Matrix in your head, you could have said, "I take the blue pill, and you take the red pill." The blue pill thinks that everything is the Matrix is the real world, and the red pill is is seeing reality and staying in in, in the craziness that is uh, the Matrix. With You're the a machines. blue pill. You <laughs> think it's reality. I'll take the blue pill every time in this scenario. Oh my
0: gosh, <laughs> that seems the reason. You're blue. <laughs> Boy, oh boy, I can't, I can't even with you. Yeah, what so in Sam Hill.
1: Um, but yeah, we had a good time. It was a yeah. good party. My mom enjoyed it. Still
0: got a couple of days left with her, and
1: yeah, yeah, a good
0: time. Yep.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, cool, cool, cool.
1: So I made mention of uh, some stuff I did, and while you guys were in Target,
0: yeah.
1: pulled up a handful of things. Uh, about the writer's strike just a quick follow-up from last week not as I, much as we did can last i week. just
0: say before you even start I am still just amazed at the level of greed in this country and in this industry that like this is still happening it's in, there's uh, it's no crazy. reason whatsoever that this that their demands shouldn't have been met and that this is still happening and, and that's all I'm gonna say
1: and a, and a side note on top of that is that the rumors are that ups is going to strike soon oh yeah and that is going to that is going to kill like 30 to 40% of shipping and mailing across this country. Well, People do not understand. When UPS goes on strike, that is going to cripple this country. So here's shipping. the
0: thing. So then, who picks up that slack? USPS has to. They, two... they
1: don't have the in- infrastructure to do it. Who? USPS. That's what I'm saying. Neither does FedEx.
0: So it's like USPS workers are already mad that they deliver packages on Sundays because they do stuff for like Amazon and stuff. Yep. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't that far behind. Yep. But it's that's going to affect every industry, everything. every industry, not everything. just you ordering, you know, a shirt from Target, but a company ordering a shipment of counter granite for their countertops that yep. might ship through UPS or. Anything like that. So, yes. I mean, you know, I'm all for David beating Goliath, and this country needs, we need the quote unquote little people to start being like, screw all y'all. Yeah. And doing what they have to do.
1: Yeah. Like Samuel L. Jackson was quoted this week. He's like, if one, just one of the billionaires paid his proper yep. taxes, his or her proper taxes, I. What am I joking? It's his taxes. Uh, No offense to any women. It's not a woman who's a billionaire in this country that I can name.
0: No, the problem with this country is that it's a patriarchy through and and through 100%.
1: And Samuel L. Jackson was like, if just one of those billionaires paid his fair share in taxes, it would eliminate so many problems in this country.
0: Because he talks about, too, he's like, I pay a lot in taxes. He threw a lot of MFs around, but we are a family podcast, so you can't directly quote Samuel L. Jackson. (laughs) But yeah, his point was valid, and I would just like to make an amendment to my everything wrong with this country is a patriarchy it's also because it's a white patriarchy
1: yeah there's a bit of that
0: and to your writer strike
1: so uh studios are losing at least 600k per week for each halted project due to current strikes
0: unbelievable
1: that's uh that's sourced out of variety uh it, like it is insane to me that's per project insane per project right now Marvel Studios has five projects that are going right now in production. That's that got just Marvel. That's just Marvel that got halted. So they're averaging losing 600000 a week. What else do you have?
0: Like Sony, Paramount. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Everybody's got stuff because everyone's got stuff that you don't even know about.
1: And uh, so to to give people a little bit more explanation about the uh, actor strike uh, because of it being a little bit newer information, and I'm not sure if I hit this very well last week, And that is that the actor's biggest thing that they're fighting against is uh, the residuals is one thing. And we talked about that last week and the ability, uh, the fact that uh, all the streaming residuals just go straight to the top. They're not going to anybody that does the production. And that's a big problem. Those contracts have to be written and fixed. Right. Um, But the other thing is, is that these uh, studios, they want to scan actors likeness forever for for ai so think of selma hayek selma hayek does a movie for paramount paramount wants to scan her likeness so that they never have to hire her again so they have her likeness and they don't have to pay her to do another movie and then she can be in the she's in a movie but it's an ai
0: two things why selma hayek why was that your example
1: because that's what oh that's what i'm like that
0: is so random that's
1: like one of the uh, um she's one of the people that spoke out against it
0: and it's like you're basically asking actors and actresses to sign away their life and their livelihood.
1: Yeah, and never pay them.
0: And w- why would they do that? And you think you can just sneak that in there and they're not going to see that? That's what they were doing. They were just sneaking in AI language. Yeah. And like nobody's paying attention.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is it is crazy how they're trying to sneak that stuff in. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't want to... I don't want to see um, a Selma Hayek movie thirty years from now where she looks like she does right now. It's yeah, not and realistic. talk about
0: the beauty standards in this country and the idea of not aging and the idea of all of of, of per, quote unquote perfection and. All that is is creating more complex body image issues, and that's a whole other thing that we'll talk about after we've seen the Barbie movie.
1: And uh, we, we will talk about that as well, but it, since we're on the topic of Selma Hayek, Hayek she's gotten prettier as she's gotten older. So in 30 years, I'd rather see what she looks like in 30 years because well, yeah. she's st- still probably going to look she's amazing. She's
0: still going to be gorgeous.
1: Yeah like so why as
0: are most people and most actors yeah. is, we just watch look, Ro-
1: look at robert downey jr that dude is killing it right yeah. now he
0: looks amazing we just watched age. that movie lou that we talked about with allison janney yeah and she's older and i thought she was gorgeous in that movie and she was playing like a, a mountain woman yeah. And I still was like, She looks amazing. Yeah,
1: she was like, I it. hope
0: I can look half as good as Alice and Janney.
1: Yeah. She was she was killing it in that movie. It was so great. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's a big thing this week. Uh there's there's not a lot that has changed. There's comic con that is going on. I mentioned that last week yeah. and how the actors and writers aren't showing up for that. Um I did see that Jamie Lee Curtis was there, but she was there promoting her new graphic novel called Mother Nature. Yeah which uh, she's going to try to move into a feature film or a TV series that she might direct, might write, might act in, yeah. is what she said. Um, and to quote her, she said, I'm going to be turning 65 in November, and I've got more years behind me that I do in front of me, and uh, I don't have time to waste. Yeah. So I'm doing what... She's
0: another one, yeah. Yeah,
1: she's like, I'm doing my passion yeah. projects. Um and so I thought that was cool. So there's been actors and writers that have been there, but they're not there related to TV and film. Yeah, they're there for they're comic not books
0: associated with one of those. Yeah. Yeah. So one other thing that that I saw a video of and I think you might have sent it to me was how studios and executives back in the day when movies and TV were coming out were not allowed to own theaters. Yes. They weren't allowed to own anything like that. They weren't allowed to own the content and how it was shown because that would then be a monopoly. And a monopoly is not something allowed in our country. But now with all the streaming... All that's gone to heck because they do own all the content and then they own also how it's delivered to the people. Yes. So it's like we're a country that's quote unquote monopolies are illegal. We can't have monopolies, but basically it's capitalism. And the more you can do and the more you can get, well, good for you. Good for you.
1: Like Disney cannot own a movie theater where we have to purchase tickets to see the film that their film, the theater where their film will be shown. But they can own Disney Plus yeah. where all their films are and they control it.
0: It's this it's the thing with technology. Like I work in the healthcare industry and there's always new platforms, there's always new things like like Blue Cross, Blue Care Network, they used to have their own website. You could go to their website and do things. Now there's this new website called like Availity, and it lumps in all these insurance companies and all of everything. And they launched it so quick that there's nothing but issues. There's nothing but bugs. There's mm-hmm. nothing but we have issues. Every time we try to use it, there's all kinds of stuff going on. It's the same stuff with all the streaming stuff. It was an idea, and they were like, let's shove it out, let's shove it out. And the only people that are really benefiting from that financially are are the CEOs and the big wigs. It wasn't thought out about how it was going to be handled for people. It wasn't thought out that it was like, hey, this sort of is a monopoly when you're creating your own content and then controlling how it's being seen and however much you want to charge for it. Like look at Netflix. Netflix could come out tomorrow and be like, we're charging you guys 50 bucks a month for Netflix. Because yep. they can, because they want to. Yep. So they control the content and they control how you see it and get all the money for it. That's a freaking monopoly. And I was under the impression that was like a no-go.
1: The thing that's uh, interesting is, is that fifteen years ago, in two thousand and seven, when the last writer strike happened two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, um, that strike happened, and they signed new contracts. In the last fifteen years, is when streaming has come about because streaming didn't exist back then. Oh yeah. Then. The only way you got something to watch digitally was if you went online and you torrented it and got it illegally and then streamed it off your computer that way off your own server or off your own device. Um, That is how that worked. So in the last 15 years, streaming has come about. Well, that that was not part of their contracts at all because it didn't exist. So during the last 15 years, as streaming has come about – that's why that money has never gone to the actors, writers, producers, yep. grips, uh, lighting. Look, like, it's not gone to any of them. It goes straight to the top to the executives because it's not in the contracts for the writers or, straight, or, the, or straight the actors. to the
0: people that are interchangeable and the content will go on with or without them as opposed to the people where the content won't go on.
1: I, I saw something one time and this was years ago and it was... uh. It was from Quentin Tarantino. He was, he was talking about how um, that uh, people don't... People go see a superhero movie like Iron Man for Iron Man. They don't go to see uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And I... At that time, it sort of made sense from a comic book standpoint because I was like, all right, there's a lot of comic book fans that are going to see these yeah. movies. But as superhero movies have taken over more, when they cast somebody like uh, Robert Redford to be in Captain America Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah, that was cool. It was like, oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. I want to see Robert Redford. But it, so it, it's turned into a point yeah, where we want to see these actors. Yeah. Like, I, I want to see Tom Cruise in something. I want to see Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer because oh, I, I got, like Robert, I get, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. I want to see Cillian Murphy as Oppenheimer. Yeah. I'm not going for Oppenheimer. Yeah. I'm going to see those actors. And my point is, is that while Quentin Tarantino was on about something, there's one thing that has stayed consistent: we're not going because of the executives.
0: No, never.
1: We don't care about them.
0: They're not the ones making casting decisions. All they're nope. doing is Scrooge McDucking into their gold coins.
1: Yeah, we don't care about them. We go to see the actors and the right what the writers have written. Yeah, and that's why. They deserve to get some of that money. And that,
0: yeah, I think that's a, a good end to that segment, and that is why we support SAG, we support yep. WGA, and we we're rooting for you guys.
1: Yeah, well, I we hope that they get everything they're asking for and more, because some of them are working three jobs to pay for their and, kids to go to school, and they deserve to get what they're what and they. And I would like to say that we made. also
0: support UPS. <laughs>
1: Yeah, for sure. So UPS drivers, they they work their ass off. Yep. Um, we see plenty of them up and down our street. We see FedEx and UPS. We see plenty of them and Prime. And none of those people get paid enough.
0: So we're we're rooting for all of you guys, seeing it for yourselves.
1: Absolutely. I mean, like when it comes down to it, I I grew up in a small town. I'm blue collar.
0: Yeah. Uh, Oh, me too.
1: And and I I I support blue collar workers. Yep. You know, my dad was a blue collar worker. Your dad's a blue collar worker. That's, you know, my mom's a blue collar worker. Like yep. we, we support folks that pull themselves up by their own bootstraps yeah. and do everything they can to provide for their family. Yeah. And that's what these people are, man. Yeah. So uh, that that's just the small update.
0: Yeah. We'll talk more <laughs> about that later, but we need to uh,
1: yeah, squeeze we
0: in a little bit of album anniversaries because I, I know it's a fan favorite.
1: yeah. Wow, man. The <laughs> sarcasm, man. She just comes at me. I'm kidding. It's not cool, folks. So, um I didn't know about this album for quite a long time. Okay. It is because of the movie Avengers Infinity War that I discovered the song by The Spinners. Oh lord.
0: The Rubber Band Man. Y'all, you guys remember he was a you guys have heard about this before. He was obsessed with this movie. When we were like dating in our wedding. Uh,
1: so when the, the Guardians with a song. I mean. When the Guardians of the Galaxy show up in Avengers: Infinity War, the very first time, this song is playing and they're singing it, and it is absolutely fantastic. It's because it, it's all it's on the stereo in their ship or whatever, because yeah. uh, Star Lord has got uh, you know he's got old tunes from like the seventies, and
0: you had never heard it. I had never I heard had it. heard it because I've always loved Rubberband Man. My mom said if there's like a dumb song out there. From like the 60s or 70s, you love it.
1: Nineteen seventy six, happiness is being with the spinners came out. I think with, we have
0: the vinyl. With
1: the rubber band man. Yes we do. I yeah. found the vinyl for like ten bucks and I was like, yes. Like I, I i didn't it's a vinyl, so I didn't bear hug it, but I was like, nobody's getting this one. I'm he taking
0: loosely it. embraced it. Oh, they wanna crack
1: it. I love it. It is it is definitely top ten uh favorite song of my entire life, I've ever heard. Oh I love rubber God. band man. I love everything about it. Uh it, it's fantastic. I love it. Excellent. Um, What's next? 1980, the year of my birth.
0: Ooh.
1: ACDC, Back in Black. Back in Black! Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> one of the most iconic. Regret that. <laughs> one of the most iconic radio guitar lines ever for Back in Black. Yeah. Oh, just. I miss music like that. Yeah, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist anymore. Oh,
0: and I doubled down
1: you doubled down. <laughs> that I love was it. Surprising. I love it. Um speaking of 80s, we got a uh, couple uh, from the 80s. Uh from 1983 and 1984, Kill 'em All, Ride the Lightning, Metallica.
0: I hadn't really listened to Kill Em All much, and I popped it on the other day and I didn't e- I would not even know it's Metallica.
1: Yeah, it's got It's
0: got a real Black Sabbath vibe. It's got a vibe of somebody else too that I haven't been able to put my finger on and it's been bugging me but I was like I like this. It's got like Oh, it reminds good. me of when I like first started listening to Rob Zombie and got like super into it. Yeah. It it just had that like and they're all like longer songs. I was like this does not no, Sandman is entering here. Yeah, Not at all.
1: No, and 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 if you if you watch the documentary on the Black Album, like the Black Album, they totally changed their yeah, sound. They there did. was a whole thing about that, and and it was, uh, in uh, in all honesty, it it's a good change. I love the Black Album, but there's something about Ride the Lightning. Oh, yeah, Ride, Ride the Lightning. She mentioned Kill 'em All, but like man, Ride the Lightning's got the Kala uh Cthulhu like man i'm like
0: i gotta get into more metallica uh, fade
1: to black from whom the bell tolls yeah, that's like, a good one. oh my gosh i love old school metallica the four horsemen seek and destroy i love that stuff yeah. that's that's the kind of stuff i grew up on that i didn't really know was metal at the time i just knew it was heavier rock and roll See, that's when I was what a kid. it sounds
0: like to me so there's a very different big difference between that and like zayo
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So,
0: like, metal is very range... There's a range because yes. I like hard rock. Yes. I liked all that stuff, but not the other stuff.
1: Yeah, Metallica is a different kind of metal. It's... A, yeah. it's it, 80s and 90s metal is a little bit that's different. That's
0: my... That's up my alley.
1: Yep. So, uh, so both of those albums came out in uh, late July. Cool. What's um, next? Horrorscope from Eve 6 from two, uh, 2000. Uh, my... It's my personal favorite my sex. personal favorite album of theirs I think it's their best album front to back um uh, the lyrics are so clever uh the front of it looks like an anime which I thought yeah. was pretty cool uh, but man that that album has got banger after banger after banger like it's such a good album front to back like when I listen to that album I turn it on like just from the guitar sound when it starts I'm like all right Right, get the party started. And then yeah, by the time the like album's it. over, I'm like, let's start it. again I don't
0: think I personally have ever listened to that album, but I know it front to back.
1: Yeah, uh, it's probably because of me.
0: It's a hundred percent because of I you. Love, I thought that
1: I, was obvious. I I love Eve Six, man. Eve Six, Eve Six. I discovered after it's they stopped heart in a blender. I, I, I discovered them. It, so this album came out in 2000. I didn't discover them until like 2003. Um, but yeah, this album has promise on it. <laughs> uh uh sunset strip bitch oh, which was a great song nice. uh here's to the night which uh most people might know
0: i recall it from my prom
1: <laughs> that's hilarious because it's about a one night stand oh my god i love it that's fantastic yep. that's great um uh, my favorite song i I'm don't gonna... think schools <laughs> knew that probably not yeah if you just you yeah, just gotta pay yeah. attention uh, but my favorite song on that album is is one of my favorite songs there's and it's called Bang. It's uh, the guitar, the rhythm, everything for it. It's oh man, it's so cool. Nice. What's um, up next? Uh, we got ZZ Top. Oh, Trace
0: Due to this, he's been on a real ZZ Top kick. I I've heard Lagrange about thirty times.
1: <laughs> I did not know that ZZ Top, the ZZ Top that I grew up with, came out after this stuff. This is all 70s. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, this is 1973. The third album came out in 1973. The ZZ Top I grew up with was Legs, and that was like 1983 or 84, like or mid-80s. So, uh,
0: Do you think they tossed back and forth the name A.A. A. Bottom or ZZ Top, and then they were like, mm, you know what, we're going to go with the ZZ. Wow. <laughs> uh, I,
1: now I got to look, because they had a previous name. Uh, a-, a bottom. <laughs> now that you say that, I got to look it up real quick. They had a previous name. Oh. Uh, they're they're their, uh, Gibbons, Billy Gibbons, his previous band was called Moving Sidewalks. Oh. And they actually have an album. You can find it on Apple Music and listen to it. It's, it's good. It's bluesy. Billy Gibbons is an extremely, in my opinion, underrated guitar player. he like, I, I saw like a list of like top hundred greatest guitar players and they listed him at like 62. And I'm like, you people are out of your mind. Wow. Like, there's no way he's that far down the list. Billy Gibbons is great. So, yeah, if you like some good blues, rock and roll from the 70s, listen to Trey Sombres. It's great, besides LaGrange. LaGrange is great, but, like, there's a lot of good songs on that yeah.
0: album. What? How many more you got?
1: Uh, I got a couple. Okay. Um, So, we got uh, The Awesome Mix, Volume 1, from Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we've talked about this album many times, because yeah. this was, like, our yeah this, our album is a couple or something yeah fooled around and fell in love our song is on here and
1: yeah so that's so it, we
0: love guardian soundtrack
1: yeah that's kind of besides kip Moore. that like that album was kind of where we started really blending together and figuring out what we like together as music yeah. which is really cool
0: yes it was
1: um one of my uh favorite lincoln park albums 2002 reanimation nice um i I know that a lot of people didn't like it because they had their friends come in and help remix Hybrid Theory, and there yeah. were so many people that loved Hybrid Theory. But reanimation for me is what got me into Linkin Park because of well, the hip hop. I
0: feel like it's not like they were taking Hybrid Theory away from you. No. They were just doing something different with it. You still could listen to regular Hybrid Theory.
1: Yeah, and they have, you know, like Jonathan Davis on there from Corn. Yeah. Um, I liked Corn. They have the lead singer of. Uh, oh my gosh is it uh, is it the lead singer of stained that's on there? I can't remember. I um, they have a couple of different hip-hop artists that come on there it, it's it's great like yeah. it is a great uh, side B partner to hybrid theory. yeah I really enjoy it a lot. I like listening to the like the hybrid ver- theory version of like in the end and then putting the reanimation version behind it and listening to them back to back. I like doing that kind of thing. it's very cool. Um. <clears throat> all right, two left. Okay. Uh, Junior Brown, mixed bag.
0: <laughs> he is from a mixed bag.
1: W- from two thousand and one. <laughs> mixed
0: bag of what? I don't know.
1: Um, he ha- the first song on the album is called Guitar Man, and it is his story. I highly recommend listening to it. It is fantastic. It's a blues driving song, man, and it's great. It's his story about how he got into music. It's very cool.
0: Cool.
1: Um, and then he's got another one in there called Catfish and Collar Greens.
0: Mm, that sounds good man i love it it's
1: it's uh fantastic he's that's
0: a- what the fish fry should have collard greens
1: <laughs> he does some clever writing uh he's got one called kgb and it's not
0: KGB? yeah, KGB. yeah and oh my god that's it isn't it it is god. and
1: it's and, and it's this girl she's her name is b b e a and she's kg, KG. Yeah, KGB. but he but he likens it to being a KGB agent as well. I, man, he has he does got have some great word He's got some r- great yeah. writing, and I'm telling you, if Tay's listening right now, he's laughing his ass oh off because it's one of the best songs that, that Ginger Brown ever wrote. I, it just is. It's Another r-
0: person I've never listened to of my own volition in my <laughs> whole life.
1: <laughs> it's right up there, as you mentioned last week with Joe the singing janitor. Yes, it's right up there in that kind of. Yeah. Li- oh man, it's Lifeguard great. Lifeguard Leary. Yep. Uh, and then the last, last, the the last one is actually one I missed from last week and I felt remiss about missing it because it is, it is something that I know Jess would like a lot. And that is the first album. It's 20 years old. Three days grace.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Man. What an album. Three days grace fan.
1: I've been, I've been listening to that album and their second album a lot lately. Uh, I forgot how good that album is. The, you know, I hate everything about you is a good song, but like. There's burn is on there, let you down, drown, like so many yeah. good songs that, that were on the radio. They had like four or five oh, yeah, like for hits sure. off they this did. album. Yep, they did. Um cool. Yeah, so that's uh that's it for the album anniversaries right. this week. I, I feel like I tried to get enough genres that are different from one another. And you um, seem
0: to always have a Junior Brown album somehow. <laughs> so that's neat. Junior
1: Brown or Sufion Stevens or oh, something you can't okay. well, something you can't stand. I think
0: it's time to throw it to the Phil interview. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here with us again, Phil. We had such a great time talking to you before. We thank you for doing that interview. And we did have a lot of people asking questions about you. So I thought, let's just have him on again.
1: Yeah, why let's, not? I yeah. Mean, let's find out about this, this guy with an accent. Yeah. like where, where, the, where are you from?
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose the accent betrays where I'm from. Yes, yes. I was raised in County Tipperary in Ireland.
0: Nice.
2: It's a place called Holy Cross. Okay. Okay. Um, And Holy Cross is so called because our parish church in Holy Cross was built in 1170.
0: Okay.
2: Wow. Uh, That's a while back. Yeah. A little bit. And rumors that I was baptized there in 1170 is totally out of the question. (laughs) (laughs) You look. You look great. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah, 1170, and it's called Holy. It's an it's uh, an old Cistercian abbey. Okay. Uh, And you can look it up on the internet. I go to mass there every Sunday now with the technology because we can pick it up. That's so
0: cool. Like we talked before in the other interview about pros and cons of technology, but like this is a cool one.
2: This is you know, I was at mass there today in Holy Cross on my phone, and uh, my first cousin's wife was distributing communion. Okay. I mean, I recognize her in the. Yeah. In wow. The, it's just quite something. That's and cool. And when they pray for people that are sick or yeah. have passed, and so I usually know who they are.
0: That's so cool.
2: Man. Uh, it was called Holy Cross because there is a relic of the cross that Jesus died on.
0: Oh, okay. Uh,
2: enshrined there, and people travel from all over the world uh, to pilgrimage to Holy Cross. That's so, awesome. So you were born there. How long did you live there? I lived there till I was essentially 24. Okay. Um, went to Holy Cross School, uh, National School, we would call it. would be like our elementary school. Okay. And then C.B.S., okay. Christian Brothers School, analogous to uh, Brother Rice that we have here okay. in, in the uh, Detroit area. Okay. Uh, went on there, then on to college. Okay. And um, studied for the priesthood. Oh, and um, interesting twist. Yeah, it was an interesting <laughs> twist. Yeah. And uh, so then I was ordained um, uh, in
0: uh, 1973.
2: Okay. Uh, and then my first assignment then was to um, a graduate degree at the University of Notre Dame okay so
0: i don't even know this like this this is interesting for me i've known you for since 2007 and Mm. i didn't know all of this so that's how you ended up here right wow okay so you you were a priest when you landed in the u.s okay
1: yeah that's fantastic you went to notre dame yeah he's a
0: big notre dame i knew he was
2: but i didn't know why (laughs) that's awesome yeah so and then i came back here and I, I was teaching at Madonna College in Livonia. Okay, as, Ma- as
0: a, and
1: you were a priest. Yes. And how? Wait. So we missed something here. You came from Ireland to Notre Dame. Yeah, and, and back then here. You, And then you came. What brought you here? Well, because the organization that I belong to
2: have uh, parishes here in the Detroit area.
0: Okay. And as a priest like that, you're kind of sent where you're needed. You're sent right. To your to- yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay.
2: Uh, yeah, because I belong to a, a society. Okay. You know, we have. We have missions in Africa, Tanzania, Kenya, and so okay. on. We have missions in Argentina. And you've been to Africa? I've been to Africa, yeah, yeah. but I was been to African in different capacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, I, that was as a professor. Yeah, you know, true. Um, so, and so then, then from Madonna College, um, uh, I was teaching there for five or six years, uh, during which I did a doctorate at Wayne State. Okay. And uh, then after that, I did postdoctoral at Harvard. Okay. And then came back here, um, uh, left the active ministry, uh, and uh, moved to Berkeley, Michigan. And uh, I've been in Berkeley, Michigan since actually 1980. Wow. That's 43 years. That's wild. That's
0: a big decision to leave the ministry. Yes, it is. That's my entire
1: life. I was born in 80. There you go. <laughs> <So> you've <laughs> yeah. oh, had wow. a whole life before you came around, buddy. Uh, wow, <laughs> but like you've spent my whole life in Berkeley. Yes. Wow, that's I mean yeah. that's cool. Yeah, great little town, yeah. you know, Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah. So, you got your doctorate at Wayne State, you yep. said. What was your doctorate in? Counseling. Okay. And what made you jump I don't. I don't know if jump's the right word. What made you jump from priesthood to counseling? Because I know being being grown up in the church and stuff that there is some commonalities there. So what brought that about?
2: Well, and that's that's exactly it. Uh, the commonalities of service to people. Yeah. And much of priestly ministry is also kind of counseling and uh, guiding yeah. people in a variety of ways. Yeah. Uh, and so I continued that, and actually. After I left then uh, the active ministry, I um, was fortunate enough to be an advisor for the Archdiocese of Detroit. Oh wow. Uh, wow. for clergy who had problems with particularly addictions and, and mental health.
0: So even though wow. you were no longer a priest, you yeah, were still
2: still active and very involved.
0: Is, is there one specific reason you left the priesthood or is it just not something that was you felt was right for you anymore?
2: Well there is this little requirement mm. I- in the priesthood called yeah. celibacy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for everybody. Apparently it's not for okay. everybody and okay. I was one
0: of the people for whom it was not. I you know I That's often feel though. um I of, I often feel it's a bit of a disservice to have those kind of regulations on on priests and things like that because I feel like it um I don't know. I feel like it's harder for them to give full understanding and comfort and help to people by having certain parts of their life shut off from their own want of having them be shut off. You know what I mean? Like,
2: well, yeah, it, it does create some limitations. Yeah. And uh, so in my case, then I, I moved on into the counseling side, Yeah, began teaching uh, at the univer- at Oakland University and, um, and clinical practice.
0: I think it's great though, that you were still doing stuff at the archdiocese because you were getting everything sort Mm -hmm. of like the best of both (laughs) worlds.
2: Yeah. (laughs) That's a way of putting it.
0: (laughs) That was unintentional, (laughs) but it worked. Um, But you, yeah, you got to live a more fuller life and, you know, still be able to do the things you want in maybe a different capacity and maybe in the capacity that you were supposed to be doing it.
1: Well, there you are. Um, I, I just, I, I grew up non-denominational, so we didn't have priests. We didn't have someone to um, go talk to and drop the weight of our world onto. Mm -hmm. It it, it was different. So I find it interesting that you went from being a priest, being someone that could have someone else's world dropped on you, and you hear it and take it in and be their shoulder and give them advice, and then you turned around and went from specifically from – a religion to everyone. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't know. I don't know any other way to say them. That's just beautiful. That's awesome.
2: It's a natural progression. Yeah.
1: yeah. And and the one difference is the celibacy. Yeah. Yeah. In, in a it fundamental
0: really, sense. I mean, really, yeah. Yeah. And I think too, you know, people talk about something in life that is a calling for them. Not to put words in your mouth, but I feel like you in this role, it is a calling for you. And although you, didn't want to keep doing it in the capacity of solely the priesthood. You are still doing it, and like Stephen said, you're able to meet reach so many more people. You're able to help so many more people in all walks of life, in all beliefs, and you've sort of expanded your base for that. And you have a passion and a talent for it.
1: Well, that's it, how it's worked out. Yeah. So. so so how? So you've been here. How old were you when you moved here? Twenty four. Twenty four. How often do you go back home? As well, somebody who lives only three states away from my from my hometown, and I try to make the trek at least once, maybe twice a year, how, how, how often do you go back home to Ireland? I usually go back home every year. Yeah? Yeah, if I can at all. Okay. Yeah. Do you have brothers and sisters? Oh, yeah.
2: I was raised in a family farm. My brother runs that farm, okay. and then my sister uh, is married about 10 miles away. I talk to them once a week i talk to them every sunday probably for the last 30
1: years
0: that's awesome wow
1: what do the, how do they feel about you in the mental health field and priesthood and united states what what is their viewpoint like do you have the
2: you know very accepting yeah you yeah. know and supportive and, and and wonderful people
1: that's cool so, yeah yeah and that that helps make your stuff easier
2: yeah it probably wasn't as easy in 1980, right? As uh, as it is nowadays. Yeah. yeah, you know, people are much more tolerant and and much more aware of uh, different dimensions. Yeah, you know, of life.
1: Technology makes it easier to talk yeah. as well too. Yeah. with stuff like that, with you know, distance calling and all that. Yeah. I'm sure that wasn't probably wasn't fun in 1980 to try to make phone calls. Oh, yeah. you go back even to 73.
2: You know, it's interesting. We have the Super Bowl here. In Ireland, we have a corresponding, the All-Ireland Hurling Final. Okay. And uh, when I came here in 73, I'd have to wait maybe a week, 10 days before I'd know who won. Oh. Until I'd get yeah. a letter. <laughs> oh, wow. And it's so
0: crazy. It's so
2: crazy. people nowadays don't understand that. Now, I can be in my basement And watch the game live. Yeah. Now it is. Yeah. That's cool. You know, I can watch all these games live. Uh, So it's a difference of what has happened in terms of technology and the advances. Stephen
0: and I will be sitting on the couch and be like, what was that one thing? And I'm like, I'm not sure. And I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to Google it and get the answer in a second. Back in, you know, a few years ago, I just wouldn't know what the answer was. (laughs) Yeah, everything is so right there.
1: The internet has killed the. You're in a conversation with somebody, and they're like, "Oh no, I'm sure it was this," and it's like, "Well, all right." And then you you got to do some research, and when you see them like a week later, you have to be like, "Remember that conversation we had? You were wrong." (laughs) Yeah. Whereas now it's like internet's like, "No, actually, you're wrong. It was it was this." Like, (laughs)
0: you can see where not not his perspective of, "Oh, you know what the actual thing was? It's a you were wrong."
2: So. Oh, go ahead. Well, you have no place to hide now with the yeah. technology. Yeah. You know, at the university, during class, if I mentioned some author that wrote such a book, in passing, you know? Yeah. And uh, if I have the wrong author. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, They're I, on ya. I bet. Well, there's a hand up, like, in 10 seconds. Yeah. Uh, Dr. O'Dwyer, that uh, was written by somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> because they have go- they have Googled it right in, on yeah. their
1: laptop. Yeah. So, there's no room to move here. Now. That's funny. So, you mentioned uh, priesthood being uh, uh, having celibacy and that not working out for you. So, uh, how did it work out for you not having celibacy? It worked out fine. Um, my son,
2: uh, Tim, is um, in California. Now he's married. And I have a beautiful granddaughter. She's adorable. She yeah. is adorable. She's, she, cool. she's three years old and yeah. in the light of my life.
1: How often do you get to see them or talk to them?
2: Oh, I talk to them every few days on the um, phone. again it your technology again. Yeah. Yeah. On the iPhone. And she wants to hold Granddad. That's so Uh, (laughs) cute. I I hold Granddad, which means she wants to hold the phone. That's cute. Oh, that's so cute, man. And then she takes takes the phone off to show me her room and her things. But she doesn't know how to turn the camera piece around. Ah. So the camera is on her face all the time, which is fine, yeah. you know. And she's shown me this thing and that thing. And I tell her how wonderful they all are. That's so cute. Yeah, but actually the camera's on our own face.
0: Well, even with your career in um, therapy, you know, if you you have the autonomy to take days off to go visit or if you wanted to spend a chunk of time there with telehealth you could you could see patients in you know a private room while you were there so are you able to see them more do you think you spend more time with them than you might in other fields here yeah
2: oh absolutely yeah yeah. i spend more time with them i i try not to do the telehealth when i'm gone because although while i could do that yeah the issue is I want to spend the time with them. You
0: want to be as present as possible so present with as them. possible. Yeah, that so, makes sense.
1: So she dropped a hint off at something of other fields. You've done some other things besides therapy.
2: Well, it, yep. another form of public service, I suppose, yep. uh, is uh, elective office. Well, yep. even before that, uh, my involvement, my first involvement in U.S. politics was 1980. Okay. okay. The... Uh, presidential election in which ted kennedy ran against jimmy Carter. if you remember on the democratic side i've okay. heard about it jimmy yeah. was the was the president at the time and things were not going well and teddy kennedy ran and i was involved in his campaign oh okay uh i joined the berkeley democratic club in 1980 okay and by 1982 i was chairman of the club okay wow uh and that lasted for 26 years Wow. Okay. i chairman of the Berkeley Democratic Club for 26 years. And then, you know, that brings you into every election. Yeah. Uh, and an avocation that, that I have was designing campaigns for candidates. Okay. Uh, so we've done a lot of that over the years. And then, I don't know, around 2000 and 2004 or five or somewhere along there, I ran for city council Okay, in the city of Berkeley yeah. and was elected. And uh, then in 2011, I ran for mayor and was elected mayor for the next six years. Yeah. I stayed, uh, remained
1: on as mayor.
0: I and knew then, you then. I felt like you were just the mayor forever. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> what's, uh, speak to that a little bit. What's, what's that like? What's that involved? What you, what's your day-to-day being a mayor? Uh, well, you have to have
2: a job that sustains your life, first of all. Yeah. Otherwise, you you can't be the mayor of Berkeley. You, you can't live on five hundred dollars a year. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oddly <coughs> yeah. enough. Oddly enough. Yeah. Uh, so it is a, a mayor council kind of. I mean, a city manager council kind of government where we hire a city manager to do the daily operations. Okay. Okay. The mayor and council then essentially directs the manager. Okay. In how the policies should go and what we should be doing and so on. So being mayor has been a gratifying experience. You have the opportunity, I I always say, you have the opportunity from preventing bad things from happening uh, more than doing great things. Okay. Uh, It's important who is elected in your community. It makes a difference.
0: I think so many people don't look at it that way. No. So many people don't vote in local elections. They don't vote in things like that. and Some people just don't vote in general. I don't think they understand how important it is to vote no matter what. If you have the ability to try, if you have the ability to affect some kind of change and you don't take it, then you really have no business talking about anything after that.
1: Well, the complaining has to stop Yeah. That. Yeah, if you didn't do anything to put the person in office or try right. to stop them from yeah. being in office, then what do you do? Like, yeah, you, got I, I, you
2: know, it's, it's, uh, so it's a great opportunity uh, to provide direction and leadership uh, for a community to bring the people together around a, a general cause, you know, yeah. to yeah. advance and move the city forward in different ways. And you can only make incremental change you're not going to make dramatic change yeah. because we don't really need dramatic change. Right. What yeah. we need is keep the show on the road and move us a little bit forward as we go along year by year.
0: I think that's hard for people to understand watching politics because they want drastic change and they right. don't understand the incremental changes, good or bad, yeah. that are happening every day. It's right. And it's not just all about zero to 60. Right. You can't do that. It's we're set up impossible to do that. Right,
2: that's exactly right. Yeah, and we're better off. We can't do that.
0: Right, as a matter because of fact. it can go in either direction. That's right.
2: My my dad would say, keep it between the ditches. Keep <laughs> very good. Yeah. yeah, keep it between the ditches. Yeah. So that's been that has been a great chapter. And so in 2000, I think 17, then I decided not to run anymore. And yeah, Dan Terbreck became the mayor. Yeah, and. Uh, did a fantastic job. Do you do
0: any kind of consulting with Berkeley anymore or any, I mean, I know you're still a shining star of Berkeley. (laughs) You're a celebrity.
2: Well, uh, you know, I, I, I'm grateful for the fact that, uh, you know, the council and the mayor frequently want to know what I think about things. Yeah. And um, you, I mean,
0: you, you were a good mayor. You did a good job and you cared about the city and you still do. It doesn't, that doesn't just shut off. It, If you're the kind of person that you are, it doesn't just shut off. You know, you're.
2: Exactly. So so I'm I'm fairly involved, you know, in kind of helping shape policy and how things go, you know, without having an official role. Yeah. You know, And, and just the same when I was mayor, I would listen to Mayor Marilyn Stephan, who was before me. Yeah, uh, give her a call and say, "What do you think?" Yeah, you know, being mayor is a little small island, yeah, not too many oh, of them I'm around. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, who do you talk to? Right. It, invariably, talking to the person who was mayor before you
0: is, yeah,
1: you know, is a big help. Yeah, man, I I never even thought about that. That's that's, yeah, that's interesting for sure. I yeah. never I never <clears throat> thought that you would be calling the person before. Yeah. I don't know why I never thought Pre- that presidents about. do that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, presidents uh, did that. The presidents did that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: but, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like your true vocation is really helping people, whether it's from the therapeutic lens, from the political lens. Um, yeah. I mean, and in mental health as well as substance abuse, which we didn't even touch on in the previous uh, interview, and is as big of an issue as mental health. But oh yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you do anything in that vein with the city or in any other capacity? No,
2: but what I did, what I did do is, you know, we're required to have continuing education credits okay. all the time, as you yeah. know. And um, I went to um, a, a seminar on hoarding. Oh, okay. Which is kind of a relatively new diagnosis. Yeah. Uh, hmm. You know, and I found this speaker really amazing, and he's in the Detroit area. Okay. And so I organized to have him do a free presentation at the library in the city. Oh,
0: really? Nice. Nice.
2: So that people could come if they had family members or a family member or knew somebody who might need help okay. with hoarding. And so the kind of the blending of public yeah. service and yeah. the mental health. That's cool. Yeah. 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 And yeah. in fact, a lot of people did show up for that, and I whatever they learned and hopefully were able to.
0: I to wonder apply. how long like hoarding has been happening. I think it has a weird um, thing in our society where it sort of busted on the scene from like reality shows, like mm-hmm. hoarders and stuff, which I think gives it a really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. It, it, it hmm. makes you watch it. It makes you take the person out of it and sort of m- mockery well, yeah, it, you become a voyeur of the, yes, the yeah.
2: troubles of people Yeah, uh, through those programs. But it does illustrate, uh, you know, a certain problem, a kind of an obsessive-compulsive yeah. characteristic that people have of keeping things, mm-hmm. hoarding things, not being able to let go or part with them. They feel more secure, yeah. safer, having things yeah. around. Now, things that are of no value to anybody or anything. Right. But, you know... The, they feel comforted by them yeah and so those programs are able to illustrate for the public what it really is like yeah you know to to feel that but so but where it fits the city is this sometimes we have people whose homes are overrun yeah and they're fire hazards mm. yeah and then their next-door neighbor uh, their yeah. house is threatened yeah should anything happen yeah, also there is the backyard hoarding, yeah, and so that becomes a haven for rodents, yeah. And yep. now the rodents don't know to stay in that backyard, right? <laughs> They're exactly. coming into yours, yeah. Yep. And so, as a kind of a public service, I saw that as something yeah. we, we could do to
1: help That's people who cool. yeah. are struggling with these types of issues, yeah. So, do you, you've mentioned you know that the you helped the mayor after you because you got phone calls and stuff like that mm. to ha- ask how you felt about things, and you've you've done the same thing by calling before, even now. Like, do you do you s- sit on any councils or even unofficially a part of any councils where things are still affecting like your city and and whatnot, in, in any sort of I don't know political capacity? I guess well,
2: usually in the area now of candidate selection.
0: Mm, okay. Okay.
2: Like who will be running the next time or who might we want to recruit or try to get them to.
0: I think all of your experience in all of your political and therapeutic fields will be very helpful in candidate selection and personality traits and seeing past that first layer of a person presenting themselves at... Who are they really? Do how do I really think they would affect change positively or negatively in the city? That's what you're. So you're sort of like a little secret, little secret weapon.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I remember when when I was elected mayor, my city council seat then was vacant, and that seat then is is um, filled by an appointment by the city council.
0: Okay.
2: Okay. Well, I. Recruited the person to succeed me, yeah, and got the council to vote for that person. And that person is a card-carrying Republican. Mm. So several people called me up saying, "Don't, don't you know he's a Republican? You know, you've been chairman of the Democratic Club for twenty-six years. Uh, why didn't you find a Democrat?" Mm-hmm. I said, "You find me a better person than this person, and yeah. we'll appoint him."
0: And that's a humanity level. There you go. That's what, I've, that's what I've said a lot about a lot of the political things that are going on, a lot of like a past president that we had, you've got to strip away all the things you think they might do. And at the end of the day, this human being from a humanity perspective, is that somebody you actually want having any kind of power? Yeah. That has to be our base because if we lose that as a society, we're done.
2: Well, yeah. I know. So anyway, so I learned from that. Yeah. You know that it isn't about Democrat or Republican. Yeah. It's about the quality of the character. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the right person for you the know, job, yeah. And and, and, <laughs> and he proved it in spades as well. Yeah. You know. That's great. That's cool. Admired by everybody. Yeah. Uh, That's cool. So making wise decisions like that. Yeah, uh, I really see them as wise decisions, not political decisions.
0: And you make the decision that is best for you and not go not what does everyone else want me to do which it is more your humanness what is the best thing here what is the best thing and you are someone that stands beside behind your decisions and not someone that you know will let people like erode them down to do Mm -hmm. what they want you to do i
2: I always my operating principle always was what's best for berkeley
0: yeah as it should be. Yeah. You know, that's how it should be. Yeah, yeah I mean, as a... And that, that's what helped you be so such a well-respected member of the community, a well-respected mayor. You know, why everyone likes you, because what you see is what you get with oh. Philip O'Dwyer. <laughs> that's one yeah. of the things I love about you. That's one of the reasons we've had our relationship since 2007 mm-hmm. when I met you, because you are who you are, and it doesn't change. Right. In all of those years I have known you, you are still the same man from the day I met you till now. And that's one of the things that I love and respect most about you. Well, thank you. You're
1: welcome. And, and you presided over our wedding, and I had only met you once. And I had met you three minutes in. I was like, yeah, Phil is salt of the earth. <laughs> oh my,
0: he better like him. He's doing our wedding. Like, there's no other
1: option. <laughs> Phil is a salt of the earth guy. Like yeah. that's uh-huh. just when, when when I think about you, I think of somebody that's actually genuine to to a to a fault. You yeah. are absolutely genuine. And that's man, that's fantastic. Well, Especially given the fact that you've traversed priesthood, mental health, and political, all three of those fields. And I not knowing you during any of those times, I can say that you were probably the same guy the whole time. Just well, based on the so. the small amount of time I've known you. And that's yeah. that's cool. Yeah.
0: It's, a, it's, a, it's quite a tale, the tale of Phil.
2: Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we ought not be telling it too loudly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I mean, I think it's just great. I mean, you know, everything you've made for yourself in this country and everything you've done and coming from another country and to care so deeply about this country, to be involved politically, to, you know, just...
2: Well, that's the thing, is to make a difference. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, the years, you know, go by... The decades go by, yeah, and your life goes by, yeah. And when you look back, what difference have you made? In what way is the world better? Yeah, hmm. you know, because you walk this way. And that's all we have. We have the bit of a life we have, and we still, you know, want to try to win Notre Dame games. Well, yes, we still <laughs> want to try to do all those things. Uh, at the same time, <laughs> yeah, we want to make a difference. Yeah you know uh, yeah make a difference in the lives of people from a mental health point of view in their personal anguish to lift the burden from their shoulders as best we can yeah in in the whole idea of public service to bring a community together and move a community forward in a positive direction yeah you know so so that the people can feel less socially isolated and yeah. more connected to a community yeah yeah uh, and and these are the kind of things that I have had an interest in doing on my life.
0: Yeah, that's what drives you to be yeah you I don't even know that there's much more to I got one say question that. on that. Right.
1: It, it brought a question and that is this do you remember at, in your formative years where that spark happened to want to do that for your life? Oh, I do. Oh I do indeed.
2: When John Kennedy said, "Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country." Wow! Nice. In his inaugural address. That's
0: yeah, that's awesome.
2: 1960. Wow. wow. That and how old were you? Oh, I was
1: in 1960. I was 12.
0: Wow. Man, that's amazing. That's. You know. That's awesome.
1: That's that's really cool. I I saw a thing. Um, I saw an interview with Kobe Bryant recently and somebody asked him or he was talking about Michael Jordan and he asked Michael Jordan, he's like, what were you doing at 12? Like, he's like, I got my daughter and I'm trying to teach her all these like fundamentals, but I'm trying to teach her just the basics. He's like, what were you doing at 12? And Michael Jordan goes, I was playing baseball. I was not even playing basketball. Mm -hmm. And that's like, he goes on to be like the greatest basketball player of all time. And he wasn't even doing what he's supposed to do at 12. You knew at 12. That's, that's not that's not common and
0: you held on to that and used yeah. that to shape your life that's right. that's amazing because there's so many things that happen when you're 12 that you don't even remember but that was so impactful that helped create the Phil sitting in front of us today well yeah. it,
2: uh, and and it, not just for me but for a whole generation of people yeah. at that time that they took that as the kind of empowering direction yeah. that we should embrace and uh, it still today rings true. Yeah, is what we should be talking about.
0: That's true. you know. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you, Phil. This has been wonderful to have you on twice. So we really appreciate that. Thank you for. Yeah. you're gracing us with your presence. Oh, you're
1: welcome. <laughs> you're welcome my dear. And uh, we will have we'll have you back on. We got we got more that we could talk yeah, about. Yeah,
0: Steven's like a giddy school kid over <laughs> there. Like he <laughs> just wants to keep talking. <laughs>
1: yeah, I could keep talking. Everybody that knows me knows where I can go for hours, but man, yeah. I can't wait to have you back on even. Like yeah. this this is fantastic.
0: Thank so. you very much. There you go. Yep. Well,
1: thank you guys. Yep. Yeah. So, uh you can find us um on all our social media, if we can just say Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, We have our WordPress as well. And then our email address is, uh, if we could just say, uh, 918 at gmail.com. Like, subscribe, share with your friends. Um, Yeah, man. I mean, just uh, keep listening. Keep listening. And I believe that's all we can say this week. Bye, y'all.